Hey friends, it's Mark James and today is Wednesday the 24th of May. Aren't I a good boy? Tell me I'm a good boy. Just out loud, wherever you are now, say, good boy. <laughs> it's 24th of May. Hey friends, I'm here and I haven't missed an episode for like six weeks. I haven't been late. I've been on time. I'm a good boy. I feel like a good boy. And you know what? I've been an especially good boy the last few days. Last week I told you I was stepping up the exercise, I was going to get into the fasting. I actually fasted for the first time yesterday. (laughs) But I got weighed as well. Am I telling you? I don't know. I'm on day two of fasting. I'm going to fast two days in a row. Should have done it Monday, but opportunities for some nice biscuits came up and I fucked it. But I fasted yesterday, I'm fasting today, I'm going to... Sarah's off tomorrow, so I'm going to eat, and then I'll fast Friday, and let's just keep going. I basically now fly to LA four weeks on Friday. One, two, three, yeah. I fly to LA four weeks on Friday. I started yesterday. So I'll have given myself 31 days to try and lose 35 pounds. It's not impossible. It is not impossible. Fuck it, I'm going to tell you what I weigh. You know what? I'm not afraid anymore. I don't need to be afraid anymore. And if I tell you what I weighed this week, I can tell you next week and that'll be positivity. So I weighed, I should have left this until later in the podcast, just to weed out the people who just come for the the real gossip, you know, save it for the fans, save your, save your numbers for the fans, the big, big numbers. Oh my God. So I weighed 20... <laughs> It's already a big start. Okay, hang on. Let's just withdraw for a second. Fuck yeah. You'll have to wait a minute if you want to know what it was. Basically, on uh, Monday, on Monday, I got weighed. Okay. Sarah and I went downstairs into the bathroom. She was off work. And she said, why don't you just get weighed now? Now, to be fair, I'd eaten and drank stuff that day. But also, I'd walk Joshua to school and back. So it's not an exact science. It's possibly a little bit less and also possibly a little bit more, but also possibly exactly right because of those two things. I mean, generally, if I do a walk, I might lose a pound or two in the morning, but then I drank and ate stuff. So you put weight on. So it's it's approximate weight, okay? I haven't been weighed since Monday. So uh, we went down to the bathroom and Sarah said, why don't you just get on the scales now? Because I was talking about going out for lunch or getting pizza or whatever and, you know, eating biscuits. And Sarah's like, why don't you just go and get on the scales? So we went downstairs and we got on the scales and I didn't look. I refused to look. And Sarah looked and she did a bit of a face. And I was like, oh, my God, is it that bad? And she went, well, it's not as good as before, but it's also not as bad as you maybe think it is. And she said, what do, you, what do you think it is? And I said, well, to be honest, I think things have gotten pretty desperate. It's been like six, seven weeks since I last got weighed that I'm aware of. And I think I've eaten terribly since then. I have had sporadic exercise, though. I've been doing some Peloton and I've always continued to walk. I did a few runs here and there. Obviously, I've been swimming for like two weeks. 
but still eating badly. So I didn't expect anything to have happened on the scales. I thought I'd have still just put weight on because as we know, exercise accounts for very little of weight loss. It's less than 20%, you know, 80%, 80, 90% of it is what you eat. And I have still been eating. I mean, the other day I had five twirls in the same day. A twirl is like that two fingered chocolate thing. If you're not English or British, you might not know what a twirl is. But um, it's a phenomenal chocolate bar. A twirl always delivers. I know I've given you my top five chocolate bars in the past before. Um, and the twirl. Was the twirl in there? I can't remember if at the time I was a big twirl fan, but I am now. Anyway, so I've eaten loads of stuff. I had five of them in a day. I probably actually, to be fair, I had 15 of them over four days because I was just getting one or two of them every single time I went to the shop. Every drive, one on the way to the gig, one on the way back, sometimes two. I just could not get enough twirls. I got obsessed with twirls. Anyway, so I didn't know what I was going to weigh. I thought it was going to be... I'll be honest, my absolute nightmare situation was that it was 22 stone something, which, you know, is back above 300 pounds. That was my nightmare. My best case scenario was 21 and a half stone or less. I was in a dream world if I thought it was going to be less than 21. And then Sarah said, OK, well, in that case, it's quite a lot better than you think it is. <laughs> But, you know, it's 20. So it was 20 stone three, which is obviously there's 14 pounds in a stone and um, 20 stone is 280 pounds. So it was 283 pounds. Now, bear in mind, in my life, I've been 335 pounds. So it's still over 50 pounds down from my very, very worst. Why is that in kilograms? 283 pounds. I'm Googling it now in kilograms. 128 kilograms. So that's where I'm at. I was 283. I want to get to sub 250. Ideally, I want to be 248 or less. I mean, 248 for me is a pretty good number. That is when all my favorite clothes start to fit okay. It's when my brown suit fits like 248 or less is not a terrible number for me. Obviously, ideally, I want to be 225 or less. And at my very, very best, I've been 212. But I, I could handle going to America 248. Going to America at 248 would be a very good situation. And I'm 283 Monday. Monday, I exercised and I didn't eat terribly, but I did eat. I had biscuits and other stuff. I don't know how badly I ate, but I wasn't great. Then yesterday I swam a mile for the first time in ages and I fasted. And today I've swam a mile as well. And I did loads of walking too. And I did loads of walking today as well. I've been walking the really long way to the gym. I've been walking to the gym. Um, there is a way I can walk that takes less than 40 minutes. But I've been walking a way that takes two hours. And then I've been walking back a way that takes like an hour and a half. So I've been knocking out over 10 miles of walking every day as well. And I've done that today. I did a gig last night and I fasted today too. So I'm really hoping that tomorrow when I get on the scales, I'm going to see like 19.10. If I could see 19.10 or less tomorrow on the scales, I've got to be honest, I'd feel pretty good. Because I would be thinking, okay, that means I've got 29 days 
to lose 28 pounds or more. And that feels very doable. That does feel very doable. So that's where I'm at. I can't believe I finally told you 20 stone three, 283 pounds. Although that's not necessarily true today because that was true on Monday and I've fasted and exercised since then. So next Wednesday, I'll tell you where I'm at. Hopefully, if it's going to work, if I'm going to achieve my goal, let's be realistic. If tomorrow I am seven, uh, sorry, tomorrow if I'm 19 stone 10, which is what I'd be hoping for, um, then I need to be six pounds lower than that six days later. So ideally on Wednesday next week, I need to be 19 stone three or four or less. So we're hoping for 19 stone three or four by Wednesday, by next week's podcast. So fingers crossed, 19 stone three at the next podcast recording. That would be really good. And I, I, I do think that's achievable. So we'll see. I mean, God, imagine if next week I can tell you I'm 18 something. Oh my God, I'd be crushing it. Then I'd be on the way to see some really good numbers. So yeah, because I'm talking about days until I fly to America, not until I actually start the gig. All bets are off once I fly to America, <laughs> but I'm going to have to do running and all sorts. But I'll be staying at my friend Taylor's house, so we'll walk together and that'll be nice. And I'll also uh, see if I can get him into running. He's never really been doing running, so I'm going to see if I can break him into some running. That'll be nice together. Mm. He's got a Peloton as well, so maybe I'll go on that. I'm sitting here with a Pepsi Max, by the way. With some ice in. Oh, I haven't said that. It had ice in, but the ice has melted. Anyway, so that's the way in. That's where we're at with that situation. And it's all positivity now. In other good news, my back feels like it's getting better. I've got to be honest with you. Since last Wednesday, I've really been through the ringer with my back emotionally. Because I started to really panic that my back pain meant something more serious. And whenever you Google back pain, it'll tell you that you've probably got bowel cancer. And of course, what with Sarah being through what she's been through, I'm on high alert for that. And part of me is going, well, you know, anyone can get cancer. I always thought that was the sort of thing that happens to other people, but clearly it's a sort of thing that happens to us. And then part of me, you know, it's ridiculous bargaining, isn't it? It's bargaining in your own head. Part of me was thinking, well, if Sarah's had it, then I can definitely get it. But what would the chances of both of us getting it be? And, you know, both of us getting it within a two-year period and yada, yada. Anyway, ridiculous. Clearly, I the only symptom of bowel cancer that I had is back pain. And it wasn't even back pain in the right place. And then on top of all of those things, I thought to myself this back pain didn't just happen. You didn't just wake up. It didn't slowly creep on. You did it to yourself. You felt it happen. You were running, you jarred yourself, and you've had back pain ever since. Here's what's interesting about that. I read that one of the symptoms of bowel cancer back pain is that you get tingly legs. What did I get that night in bed? Tingly legs. <laughs> so I started to think to myself, well, maybe... By the way, if it turns out I've got bowel cancer, this podcast is going to be very ominous. But I thought to myself, maybe some of this is psychosomatic. Maybe you're bringing these symptoms on yourself and you are capitalizing on the tiniest feeling of them. 
and then allowing your brain to blow them out of all proportion. So I decided you haven't got bowel cancer. What you've got is a bad back that you brought on yourself and you probably insert intention into the way you're sitting, sleeping, everything for fear of making it worse and it's making it worse. So go to bed tonight with some positivity and stop being so ridiculous. What happened? I wake up the next day. I haven't been awoken all night with back pain. I wake up in the morning feeling stronger and better today. And I don't have any pain. I feel tiredness that comes with doing two miles of swimming two days in a row. But I certainly don't have back pain that accompanies the fears that I've had for the last week or so. So all I can tell you is I think it's getting better and it does feel better now. I'm not in any pain right now. I can't even feel it. I can feel a little bit of like general tiredness, but that's because I've swam and walked loads. But apart from that, I feel great. There's a fly in here. Is it out in the corridor? Doc! I'm getting the dog in the room so I can shut the bedroom door. Doc! Good boy, come here. I've shut the bedroom door and I'm just going to listen to see if the fly is out. That's the sound of Doc shaking his butt so his tail was flapping. I can still hear the fly. Fuck me, the fly's in the bedroom. Right, hold on a sec. I'm standing up to let this fly out. I can't record with a fly buzzing round. Come on, fly. Come on, you prick. Go out the room. This must be torturous for you, dear listeners. I'm just waiting for a fly to leave the room. Hold on, I'm pausing to sort this out. Hey friends, we're back. So I got the fly out. And also, uh, it was time to call Joshua because school was finishing. So I killed two birds with one stone. Um, Yeah, so basically, my back pain is well on the way up. And I feel like everything's getting much, much better. It obviously hurts more when I think about it. (laughs) I mean, that's not to say it wasn't present. It absolutely was. But I think a shift in my attitude towards it and the good stretch that I got from swimming a full mile and walking and stuff, I think that they've contributed to an ecosystem in which my back is going to get better. So it had to get better eventually, right? Might as well just suddenly happen now. It was funny, though, because it was at, at its absolute worst for pain. You know, I know they say it's darkest before the dawn, but maybe the bit when it was hurting the most, maybe it was a trapped nerve and it was just about to work its way out. Uh, And now it's out and it's getting better. Who knows? But it definitely does feel better. If during this, by the way, I don't know if you could hear the fly buzzing around. It was quite loud. If you can hear birds chirping or scratching, it's because our loft is like farthing wood. (laughs) Honestly, there's birds that have nested in our loft. And also there are squirrels in our loft. And I think there are two different holes. There's one that's kind of ground level in line with the um, the floor of the loft. And I think those squirrels are coming in through a hole that's in next door's roof. But then birds are getting in through a hole that's in our roof. And they're basically nested and they're chirping like crazy. And this happens every year. They come, they spend like three weeks to a month in our loft and they chirp like crazy. I think it's the babies. And then they get big enough to fly off and they fly off. And you know what? 
we decided to just tolerate them. Because if you open the loft and try to shoo them out, all that will happen is the babies will die. And the squirrels are just, you know, belligerent. They'll just come back no matter what. They've found their place. Very difficult to discourage them, especially if they're coming in from next door. So we're just putting up with it. We're just letting our loft, which we only go in in November to get the Christmas decorations out and January to put the Christmas decorations away. We're just letting life live itself. We're letting birds nest in our loft and squirrels and whatever. And that's just going to be how it is. <laughs> but God, are they noisy. In the morning, it's crazy. The chirping is insane. I'm going to wonder if I can hear it now. I can. Even with the door shut, they're in the middle of the house, the birds. The squirrels are above the bedroom, but the uh, birds are in the middle. Of, uh, the, the birds are in the middle of the house, but the squirrels are above the bedroom. So, yeah, it is. It's like farthing wood up there. It's crazy. What we need is some sort of... Um, zoologist to come in here and clean the loft out but hey you know what let let let's live and let live uh lewis capaldi has a new album out and i've listened to it a bit today it's not bad but are we absolutely certain that lewis capaldi is singing in tune i know i've mentioned this before but every time i listen to him i think he's just on the borderline of incredibly talented and absolutely abysmal and i can't quite work it out I know people love him and he's really funny, but is he good? I can't work out if he is or not. I feel like we're being hoodwinked into believing that he's good and he's not. But then also he might be excellent. It's quite strange, isn't it? He's certainly very popular. That's undeniable. But um, there's a couple of tracks on his new album that I'm kind of, you know, they're, they're definitely a bop, as you might describe them. They're definitely very listenable. But I can't work out if he's great or not. Weird, isn't it? Very weird. Anyway, let's get back to the old, um, the notes. Okay, so I'm in booths um, the other day and a woman is in front of me and I am just waiting to pay for a drink. Booths opposite the hospital, you know, because we're, we're there quite a bit. Although having said that, Sarah's at the very last of her scans for quite a bit now. She probably won't have a... The next time we go to the hospital will be just a normal blood test for picking up tablets and then it'll be another one of those there's no extra blood test or extra scans at the minute everything's quite chill so and she's not that far off finishing the whole thing anyway but um we had her ekg she has to go and have a echocardiogram they call it an ECG some places and an EKG in other places, but it's an echocardiogram. It's basically just to check if the medication she's taking is doing any damage to the tissue in the walls of her heart. And the guy who does the EKG, he said it looked great to him and all is well. Obviously, the scans get passed on and they do a thorough look, but he said everything looks completely normal. And then prior to that as well, she'd had a thoracic um mri scan and all that sort of stuff and they all seemed okay as well so she'd had those tests and she's in the hospital and i'm in the car park at booths and you can only park there if you're a customer so i always have to go in and buy something to at very least say i was a booths customer um but i was trying to be a bit healthier so i went in i just got drinks and i'm at the checkout and there's a woman in front of me and she's about <sighs> Four foot tall, maybe eight or nine hundred years old, and she's been buying her shopping. But she's taken her entire shop in a basket 
to the counter that you're just supposed to use if you're getting lottery tickets, you know, stuff from the, um, you know, that in most supermarkets, there's like a front bit of the shop that is it's in the main shop, but it's not really part of the main shop where they just sell prepackaged sandwiches, chocolate bars, fruit, drinks, the sort of quick in and out stuff that people get on their lunch, snack stuff. And it's generally accepted that if you are buying from that section of the shop, you can go to the checkout that is for cigarettes, lottery, now vapes, lighters, all of those little things. She's already at that checkout, but she's got a basket full of stuff that is clearly from the rest of the shop. You know what? It's booths. All bets are off. It's the home of the worst parking on the planet. Old people just do whatever the fuck they want. So you know what? You can't moan about it. But having already broken that unwritten rule, and if it's unwritten, you can break it. Nobody's going to have a go at you. She finishes her paying for stuff. And some people, I know I moaned last week about people at the checkout, and I'm about to do it again. Some people insist on putting everything away thoroughly at the checkout, at the counter. I find it annoying. You know, if you're going to put all your cards all of your receipts, everything in your purse or your wallet, and then you're going to put your wallet and everything in your bag, and you're going to do all of that stuff before turning away from the checkout, thus completely monopolizing the checkout area and stopping anybody else that needs to use that area for their purchase until you fully put stuff away. When some people do it, I'm certain they're taking the piss. You know, they put stuff in their, pa in their wallets and all that, then they put their wallets away, then they zip their bag up, and then they put their bag fully on their shoulders and then they take a deep breath and then they pick their shopping up and they walk away. It's like, oh my God, just move away. Finish your little bit of putting your own stuff away. Two steps away from the checkout. So she's done all of that. She starts to turn away. Her purchase has been finished for at least 30 seconds, but she's still in the geographical area of the checkout. And the person behind the checkout has waited until they're almost finished putting all their stuff away. And they're clearly aware of the situation. And they've looked at me and gone, next please. I've stepped up and the checkout person has got my items, my drinks in their hands. And then the woman who's at the checkout turns back and says, oh, so sorry, forgot to get the lottery tickets. Two lucky dips, please. And she looks at me and she goes, what am I like, eh? <laughs> now, of all the people she could have asked that question, I am probably the worst. Because the checkout person looks at me and looks at the woman and we've kind of got a bit of a three-way Mexican standoff because my purchase has very much started the process but my items have not really they haven't been scanned yet they're just in the hands and so the checkout person looks at me looks at the woman the woman looks at the checkout person looks at me I look at the checkout person look at the woman but I have a question to answer and the answer is what is she like so I say adorable <laughs> but with a lot of sarcasm and then I say just out of interest how many steps away 
would you have had to have been to consider that your purchase was finished and mine had started? And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you just finished buying what you're buying. And I'd started buying what I was buying. And I recognize that, but you don't. So I'm wondering how far away from the checkout would you have had to have gotten before you'd have gone to the back of the queue instead of restarting a new purchase from the position you were still standing in. And she said, I forgot my lottery tickets. And I said, yeah, but your purchase would finished, had finished and now you're making a new one. And she went, it's only lottery tickets. <laughs> and I looked at the person behind the counter and said, great, now I look like the psychopath. <laughs> And they sort of giggled a little bit. And the woman looked at me like I'd lost my fucking mind. She paid for a lottery tickets and then walked off. And I felt like I was the tosser. But tell me, in that situation, I'm not wrong, am I? In that situation, she should have gone to the back of the queue. I would have remembered the lottery tickets, taken a couple of steps away, made a bit of a rigmarole of like, oh, whoops, wrong way, turned around and gone to the back of the queue. I wouldn't have just cracked on. My purchase had started and I think that's rude. So answers in the comments, send me a message, am I right or wrong? How many steps away do you need to be before your purchase is over in your own mind? I just think it's ridiculous. It really pissed me off. And it didn't even just piss me off because of what the woman did. It pissed me off because everybody in the situation made it look like I was the one who was a knob. And clearly, I wasn't a knob. I was completely justified. But, you know, that's the sort of thing that happens to me all the time. Because other people clearly don't see the world in the way that I see it. I have a really, really strong sort of concept of moral justice and when someone has been wronged in a situation and to me that person had overstepped the bounds of what is acceptable societally in that situation so never mind eh <laughs> what am I like eh adorable you little wanker <laughs> anyway let's move on so I'm going to give a shout out now to a new friend I've made actually, who'll be listening to this right now because they listen to the podcast, to Matthew Suttle and uh, your whole family. Should I have double named you there, Matthew? Sorry, mate, if I've, um, you know, told everyone a little bit too much about you. But there's multiple ways you could spell your name, I suppose. Don't Google him. He's a real person anyway. Let me just drink this Pepsi. Mm. So Matthew came up to me after a show that I did last week and told me that he listens to this podcast and found me through another medium. So, oh shit, I've dropped the phone. Everybody stay where you're at. Did you hear that noise there, by the way? I dropped the phone onto a guitar, which is a hilarious way to um, create a unusual noise. Anyway, so Matthew came up to me after a gig last week and told me that he listens to the podcast. Him and his family had seen me perform before on a different holiday and they came down to catch the show. This time they weren't on holiday at the place it turns out, but they'd found out that I was on and you know they knew someone who was who was there and yada 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 and they got to see the show. And it couldn't have worked out any better really because I picked um 
I picked Matthew's wife as the first person that I used in the show. I picked one of their kids to come on stage during the show. It was just great. And I've had their other kid on stage in a previous show. So just really serendipitous that it would work out that way. And um, it was great to chat to him. I was really pleased. He said some really nice things to me. And also some of the stuff that I've talked about on the podcast in the past had tallied with things that he was experience in his own life and he said that he'd you know it meant a lot to him and it meant a lot to me that he told me and um I was just really thrilled I drove home that that night I said to him at the time that it had meant a lot to me that we'd had that chat but I couldn't really impress on him how much in front of a room full of people at the front of the audience when I was having my picture taken with loads of, you know, random kids at the show and, you know, just kind of uh, selling merchandise and all that sort of stuff. So we, we we had a really nice conversation in the bounds of that environment, but it did, it really meant a lot to me and I was really thrilled. And um, I knew instantly who he was when he told me his name because I'd noticed that he'd liked my Instagram posts and stuff in the past. So, I you know, I, I recognised um, who I was talking to, but it really, really did mean a lot to me. And it continues to mean a lot to me when anybody tells me that they listen to this podcast or that they've followed me in any meaningful way or that they wish me to do well or, you know, any of that support. It just really means a lot. And so thanks for coming up and saying hello, Matthew. It really, it did mean a lot to me. And I told you that at the time, but I wasn't able to really express to you how much it meant. And honestly, I got in the car as soon as I was driving home from the gig and I called my wife and I told her, oh my God, someone just told me to listen to the pod. And, you know, she knew that it had meant a lot to me. It was just a nice thing. Um, as on people who listen to the pod and who I meet in real life, um, there are so many people, you know, that I've met and send me messages and stuff. And I look forward to catching up with and sort of, I, I, it's just really nice when people in real life, come up to you and say that they've listened to this. The first thing that I think usually is, oh my God, you know that I, how I lost my virginity and the last time that I shit myself. But it's really nice if someone says that your openness and honesty about situations has affected them in any positive, meaningful way. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, yeah, wild. What a wild time. So um, that night, though, actually, because of that, actually, Matthew, you'd led to me having quite a problem. I actually forgot a prop because I was pissing around talking to you. Because <laughs> I was pissing around talking to you. I forgot to pack the two metal tubes that I need for my bottle trick and I ended up leaving them at the gig. And I didn't realize until I was half an hour away. And I was on the phone to my friend Michael Jordan, the magician, not the basketball player. And... um. I was talking to him about that trick and then I realised I'd left that prop behind. And so I googled and I realised that to drive to the gig and back would add an hour onto my drive home. But to drive via that gig the next day would add 40, uh, sorry, would add an hour and 10 minutes. It was 40 minutes there and an hour and uh, half an hour extra after there. So to drive there and back that night would add an hour. But to go via that gig the next day would be an hour and 10 minutes. So I had to decide, is it an hour tonight when I'm tired or an hour and 10 before tomorrow's gig when I'm not tired? And I decided to take the tomorrow option. So on the way to the next day's gig, I drove via the day before's gig and I picked them up. But I only forgot them because of chatting to you, Matthew. So thanks for that, you arsehole. <laughs> Oh, 
I didn't mind though. I didn't mind at all. One of them in it, you're always going to forget something every now and again. Very rare for me actually, because I've got a very certain way of packing down. But I don't normally stand and have heart to heart chats with people after the show. And so the usual process that I go through when packing down the show just, you know, slipped my mind. Anyway, talking of funny things happening at gigs, I did another gig in the meantime. I'm not going to name the place because uh, the gig didn't go great. Not to talk myself up, because, you know, I'm, I'd like to think I'm at least average at Magic, if not slightly above. But I had a very below average gig in the last few days. And um, I don't know it. I don't know what it was. I just failed to connect with the audience on any meaningful level. They had a technician at the show, which should make things better. But technicians have a way of pissing around with stuff and interfering with things that I'm used to setting up myself so that I know they work. Let's just say the microphone was very in and out. And at the same time, um, the technical stuff, the musical parts of the tech, my Q-Lab setup didn't work properly. So loads of cues weren't firing when they were supposed to. I had to do the mic, I had to use a handheld mic in a little holder thing, and that was a bit of a ball lake. Just loads of stuff wasn't working before I got on stage. Then I got on stage late because the team overran and the tech didn't work. And then I just failed to connect with the audience in any meaningful way. And it just felt like shouting into a void, really. Just felt like the gig wasn't going that well. Then I came off stage and I did sales in the show. I sold um, the ropes that I sell. And I wasn't selling very many. I think I'd sold four. Had I sold four? Yeah, I sold, I sold four or five. I'm trying to work out exactly how this worked out. I Ah, uh, no, I'd sold six. That was it. I'd sold six ropes. And I sell them for five pounds each. So I had 30 pound. I had a 20 pound note and a 10. And then a guy came up to me and he wanted to buy one. And he had a 20 pound note. So I gave him the 10 pound that I had. So now I've got 40 pounds in notes. But I owe this guy a fiver. So I said to him, where are you sitting? And he pointed his chair. I said, I'll get a five and I'll bring it over. Don't worry. And then nobody else wanted to buy a rope. So I go to the bar and I ask them if they've got four or five pound notes for a 20 pound note. And they say no. So I think, oh, what am I going to do now? Then I remember that in the arcade, there's a machine that if you put a 20 pound note in, it gives you 21 pound coins to use in the arcade. So I go up to that machine and this flashing light is on and it gives me change, but it must have only had five one pound coins in it because the rest of my change comes out in 50p's 20p's and 10's so i've got five one pound coins and 15 pound in silver 50p's 20s and 10's i've literally got a giant pocket full of change what an absolute ball ache and i can't give that to the guy so i go and give him the five one pound coins and i think oh well at least he's happy and you know the gig's over and i've sold a few ropes it's not the end of the world. I pack the car, get in the car, driving home. Sarah said, how'd the gig go? And I tell her that story and I say, you know, I sold okay on merchandise. The gig was very close to home. And remember, I'm not selling merch to try and make hundreds of pounds. I'm selling merch just to cover the fuel that I spend on getting to the gigs and back. And as this gig was only um, 17 miles away, you know, if I'd have sold two ropes, that would have covered that fuel. So I wasn't really like... 
I'm not bothered if I sell them or not, to be honest. It's just a little hope that I cover some of my expenses. But I know that I've made £35 in ropes. So um, I say to her, oh, I made £35 in rope. And I think, oh, I'll get that money out of my pocket. I put my hand in my pocket. I can't feel the £20 note anywhere. And I realise that when I've pulled my phone out of my pocket to get in the car, the £20 note has come with it. So I've got £15 in 20p's and 10p's and, you know, 50p's. And the £20 note is blowing across Blackpool in the wind somewhere because it was in my pocket when I pulled the other money out. So that was a joy. And then I'd say to Sarah, I'm going to really fast tomorrow. Um, Do you want any McDonald's? Because I'm going to get McDonald's. And she says, yeah, I want halloumi fries. (laughs) So I go to McDonald's drive-thru. And the guy tells me to pull up to the next window and I'm waiting for the food and it's like 12 minutes and the food still hasn't come. So I beep the horn and someone comes to the window and goes, you all right? And I go, no, I'm waiting for it. And I explain the order. She's like, oh, we thought you were out at the the numbered bays. And I said, no, the guy told me to drive to this window. Oh, okay, let me grab your food. So she gets the food and I go, how long has this been sitting there? And she's like 10 minutes. And I go, is it cold? And she went, It'll be okay. And I'm like, it won't be okay. So she says, I'll make it again. So they're going to make it again. It's another 10 minutes. So I end up sitting at the drive-thru for nearly 25 minutes for this food. Because the one thing Sarah would not put up with is cold halloumi fries. And I wanted to be nice for her because she was already like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have them. So I'm thinking she'll be even more good if she eats them and they're not nice. So I'm determined for them to be good. So I get home with the halloumi fries. They were nice. We had a burger and stuff as well. And uh, get in bed. But... Every single thing that could have gone wrong that day went wrong. From the tech, the gig being average, the sales thing, losing 20 quid, the McDonald's being a ball lake, every single thing that could have gone wrong went wrong. But you know what? Yesterday I did a gig and the audience were amazing. It was pin drop silence, 90% of the show. All the tricks went well. I got home in a good time. Um, I had a nice time at the gig did really good in sales, like over £100 in after-show sales, which, you know, more than covers a couple of the expenses for this week. Um, It's just good times. Yesterday really sort of uh, brought my faith back. And also I fasted and it wasn't very difficult. I made it through the day with good positivity. Uh, My back was feeling better, swam a mile. It was just all good. One thing I did think I needed to do was put sun cream on. And the last thing I'm going to tell you today is about sun cream because I've got to get ready for today's gig and get out the house in, you know, absolutely half an hour at the most. I need to be out of the house. So, um, I need to put sun cream on because I was getting a bit of a burned forehead. And obviously Sarah's been going mad at me for not putting sun cream on because that's how it starts. So she left the sun cream out. And um, I've never put this sun cream on myself. Sarah always sprays it on me. And then she rubs it into my face on holiday, typically. So the sun cream was left out by the um, sink this morning. And that was Sarah's final way of saying to me, make sure you put the sun cream on. So I... um, I picked it up and I thought, oh, this is like a spray that disperses across your face, you know, in a light, a light mist. I went to spray a Z formation across my face and it came out like a thick squirt of cream. And it left like a Z formation on my face in a very thick squirt of cream. It looked like somebody had shot their load across my face. 
<laughs> Looked like someone had shot the load across my face. And I thought, not again. <laughs> I looked in the mirror and it just looked hilarious. A thick Z-shape white layer of, you know, creamy formation across my face. Let's just say it wasn't a good look and it wasn't one that I was used to. But, you know, live and learn. So I rubbed all that cream into my face and my arms and everywhere. And then I walked home from the gym, but without sun cream. And it was a big walk. So I need to start remembering to take sun cream in my bag because it's going to be a hot summer and I can't risk getting burned. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take sun cream with me. Anyway, 40 minutes. That's going to be the end of the pod because I don't have time. But uh, I'm always on time. And that's all the stories I had to tell you anyway. I uh, love you lots, friends. Thanks for all the support. As always, stay well, take positive steps. Hopefully next week we're going to see low 19s, high 18s. I'm looking forward to reporting to you that I had a positive result, all right? I might eat one of those um, dill pickles to see what they're like because uh, they're zero calories. We'll see. Two-day fast, but zero calories doesn't count, right? Maybe I won't. Who knows? All right, bye, friends.